Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my talk about the Interceptor build guide, giving some tips and tricks about the movement, the dodging, as well as some advice on how to use him on the battlefield. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. Uh, catch these live. You can probably check right now. I'm live a lot of the times he's hit, and if I'm not live, just click the follow button. If you're here live right now and enjoying this, be sure to click that follow button. That's a free and easy way to support what I do. That little heart button follows the channel. That way you won't miss out on these conversations. Let's jump right into the conversation and the questions so I can get to Division 2 after this because I'm going to do another talk on that as well once I get my first impressions. So, Death Monkey. Is there a better NPC in Anthem than the Matthias trio we've not interacted with all the npcs so the few that i interacted with i enjoyed i enjoyed the dialogue i don't know if there's if there's a way to know who's the best right now because we didn't get to interact with all of them neocash i had a feeling the storm had no aoe primers is the rest also like that well as far as the the primers for the the storm as far as AoE primers, no. I mean, Ice Blast might do an AoE just by the name, and I don't know about Living Flame. Frost Shards does not. I don't know about Shock Burst. So Shock Burst and Ice Blast and Living Flame, we'd have to see if people are saying he does have uh, Stormhead AoE primers. Those just sound like AoE primers to me. Now, the combo... The combo on the storm primes and deaths. It's crazy. It's crazy strong. It's the only ultimate in the game that primes and deaths. All the other ultimates in the games are just debt. But I'm pretty sure just by the names here that like Ice Blast and Living Flame are potentially AoE primers. Uh, and then Shock Burst could be as well. I know for a fact Frost Shards is not AoE, but because of how you can spam it, you can sometimes get multiple targets primed because you can kind of spam it on a given area, like kind of cover them. It's a little bit harder because once you do that, you kind of spread the damage thin and then they don't get primed, so you got to be careful not to waste it. Um... Whenever I played the Interceptor in the demo, I felt unbelievably underpowered no matter what kind of build I went with. Raw damage, primer detonator, hybrid with melee being low damage, and stunlock on countless things with shields. Do you think Interceptor was supposed to be a single target destroyer and the damage of spongy enemies didn't allow for that play style? Like I said in the talk, I think his aura is the key to success. You need to be need to be priming, comboing, aura you get the passive combo your team detonates and then you get the combo energy like a little bit to feed your ultimate you're supposed to just keep doing that over and over and over again the people that really embrace that playstyle really like it i didn't happen to enjoy that playstyle that much if i'm priming anything i want to be able to dead it and the passive priming made me not enjoy it there were plenty of other people that played Interceptor and they loved the way that he the way he flowed through combat. So if you were playing him in that way and you were doing the right thing, if you're sitting back or you're trying to prime then debt and then using your guns and like, you know, maybe you were trying to stay in the air and stuff, he's kind of supposed to be like the boots on the ground, up in the mix, deading priming, passive priming, just nonstop. And if you don't embrace that play style, uh, you're probably gonna take a lot of damage. Because what might happen if you were comboing and, and then leaving the area because you're like, oh no, I got to get out of here. I just landed my combo and all my abilities are on cooldown. Well, you are you might be missing out on your aura getting passive prime, especially if you get frozen. You know, if you do frozen, if you get fro- the, the aura of ice, they all just freeze and sit there. So then they can't hurt you. Now you can't debt them, but they can't hurt you. It's, it's, it's a pretty good mix. Sweat Bucket. What is your opinion on not buying a game based on the publisher? I have a few friends who won't buy Anthem because of EA and weren't considering buying Destiny until after Bungie left Activision. I feel like idealists often miss out on fun experiences and I don't think that their I don't think their their rebellion is founded right now because everything that's happening with this game looks to be in a really really good place with respect to BioWare being in control of how micros are being handled and then if you look at the success of Apex Legends I really do think you have to kind of stuff your 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 opinions in a sack for a little bit. I'm not saying that they there couldn't be legitimate reasons for them to not play Anthem later on down the line, whether they don't like it, maybe things get bad, maybe things change and we all don't like it. Like, anything could happen, right? But I don't think... I think 
both EA and Bioware have a vested interest in this game being successful, and it would be incredibly strange for them to do things that are damaging to its reputation. Uh, and again, with the success of Apex Legends, I think it's clear internal leaks about Apex Legends makes it very clear that gamers have become an enemy to the industry. Apex Legends Respawn did not want to promote the game at all because they knew the presence of loot boxes and microtransactions even in a free-to-play game would have been immediately criticized because of EA and that would have sunk the game before it got out of the starting blocks. So the fact that they avoided telling the gaming industry about a game so it could be successful is incredibly informative about the dialogue about Anthem and what's going on. And that should be a small or maybe even a significant indictment of the gaming community and how we tend to blow things out of proportion, get extremely hyperbolic, and are harming the gaming industry. Now, I'm not saying we're the only ones to blame, right? But not not getting Destiny because of Activision, again, I guess ignorance is bliss here, but... Activision didn't do anything to Destiny. Destiny struggled because of uh, because of their struggle to create content quickly. The presence of microtransactions in Destiny, according to all of the leaks, was Bungie's idea and not Activision. Again, if you don't know the facts, it's very easy to like be idealistic and say, "Oh, we I don't want to buy this game because of Activision." Blah 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 blah. Now, if you want to do it on principle, if you've got some principled idea about like these these companies have been bad for the industry or have hurt these games, and I don't want my money supporting them. There's a big, big challenge there because all publishers function in the exact same way. Huge lump sum of money, and then they have some to a lot to a little influence over wanting to protect their ROI and make money and return on their investment. That's pretty much how every publisher functions. And, you know, if you don't want to support them because of things in the past or whatever, that's fine. That's your decision. Then you better not play Apex Legends. You better not, you know, oh, well, it's free. I'm not giving them any money. Well, player engagement, you know, leads to their success. It leads to the game becoming more widespread and more popular. And so there's just, I think slowly but surely, people are going to realize that publishers, the, the, the microtransactions thing didn't go well. They tried some things that didn't go over very well. They had to make adjustments. They took it on the chin. I mean, their their stock value went down and is in, in some respects is still going down. And some of these things may start to go up if Apex Legends success continues and if Anthem is a success, a lot of this stuff might turn around. So if someone's going to be principled and not buy a game because of the publisher, to a certain extent, I say you're robbing yourself of potential enjoyment. Like, what are you going to do in two weeks if you're watching streams and reviews and everyone's having a good time in Anthem? I mean, are you just going to just basically go back on your principles and then feel like a hypocrite? Like, why, why paint yourself into that corner? The Vreek. What do you think are the most important technical or quality of life issues that Bioware need to resolve before or soon after launch? Menus, quantity, placement of load screens, optimization. Yeah, I mean, I saw people comparing load times of this game to Division, and I think that's just incredibly ignorant. Um, People in the gaming industry with respect to YouTube and Twitch should just freaking know better. Division has got so much fake space there's so many buildings you can't go into so many things that are nothing and the and the verticality of division is just not there you're not suddenly up on skyscrapers and rooftops i mean the the landscape the geometric differences in the areas in anthem compared to division is is immense it's immensely different and I think comparing the two with respect to load times is ludicrous. Now, as far as optimization and things like that, yes, graphical optimization is priority one. It struggled to run on many PCs, struggled to run consistently on consoles in some in some areas. So I really do think they that's priority one. If you can't get the game to be optimized, so much of what makes this game good is going to fall flat. The big, huge, bombastic moments, the flying, the agility, the movement, movement none of that's going to feel as good as it actually is if they can't optimize performance after that i I like as far as quality of life changes i mean there's little things about like mass mass dismantling when you're in the forge or being able to see your teams load out and talk to them before you go into a stronghold if you're matchmaking so you could have some synergy as a team like don't let us change our loadout during matches and, and during strongholds but at least maybe when you're in a stronghold uh before you go in you can do that like in like a an initial launching screen you know 
I don't have a ton of issues outside of the graphical optimization. Uh, what do you think about no voice chat? I don't know where this is coming from. There is voice chat in the game. It's on by default when the game comes out. I, I don't know why people think there's no voice chat. Maybe because it, was it not working in the demo or something? I don't know. I I was using Discord and playing with streamer buds. I, there is voice chat in the game, and according to one of the devs on Twitter, he believes it should be on by default when it launches. Fabled Archer. Do you think Interceptor or Ranger will have more single target damage in the end game? I mean, it just really depends because the ranger is really good at a lot of things. If he's feeding his ult, the way that I told people to play him was high agility, prime like crazy with your melee, and then just keep deading over and over and over again, and that feeds your ult. His ult is great on a single target, but it's also really, really good on a crowd. So I don't know if if the ranger is going to fall into a a specific lane. I feel like he gets to kind of wear two hats. I think the interceptor is good on a crowd but in a different way he gets his single target combo and then the aura primes the crowd and then someone else can combo and then his 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 melee ult it's good on a crowd but it does seem to get a lot of a lot of good traction and single target damage on like a boss that's kind of stationary and kind of stands there so i would feel like the interceptor is 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 got two ways of doing you know kind of crowd combat but also uh, but also does great single target damage. But the aura doesn't prime the crowd. Yes, it does. It primes it for the other people. It doesn't prime it for you, but it primes it for your teammates. Uh, it 100% primes for your teammates. I had a friend running Interceptor, and when he was up in the mix and all those guys were suddenly frozen from his aura, I could debt them. You can't debt them. Now, they're going to make that clear in the full game. It'll show you different symbols depending on if it's primed for you or not. And they had to do that with the Interceptor, because if not, you could prime debt. There's your aura. Now you're priming everybody. Then you then you combo again. Then you combo again. You could have comboed eternally uh, with the aura, which would have been a little bit ridiculous. I think you should be able to combo once off the aura. That's my feedback. I think it's a little too limiting, but they'll have to they'll have to measure the balance of the class and see if I'm right or wrong. I could be wrong, but I feel like you should be able to at least debt one time off the aura since. It, you don't get an area of effect, you know. Migs, is there a way to ping allies on a map location? Maybe notify of a boss, ETC. Not presently, no. Now, there's a really nice smart UI in the game, though. It points at where your teammates are. It's like a little radar next to their name. If you're not communicating, obviously, they can't say, I have a, I have a Titan on me, right? Um, you, you can't say that, but... If you are communicating, you say, hey, I have a Titan on me. Your teammate doesn't have to say where. All he has to say is, oh, Charlie's got a Titan on him. And he looks at his, he looks at the name and he sees the radar pointing where to go. There's like a little spinner. It's really, really intuitive. I like that uh, radar attached to the name thing. But it's, it, there's not presently a way to ping or put a waypoint. We asked for that. And the, and the, the community manager we gave that feedback to, he said he provided the exact same feedback that like, we need to be able to put a waypoint down. Now, it's not as complicated as people make it, though, to be fair. If you open up the map and someone says, I'm over here in the... I can't think of any of the names on the map. Let's just make one up. I'm over here in, in, in the Red Canyon. You're like, okay, Red Canyon is to the northeast. Then just fly to the northeast. Use your compass. It's just it's really not as hard as people were making it. Once I started doing that, sure, there were times where I would go past the thing I was looking for because I wasn't familiar with the area yet. But, like, give it two weeks and that kind of won't be happening anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of times you're just unfamiliar with the world and you're asking for features that, like, a waypoint system. Is the waypoint system going to get used a month from now? Probably not all that often, right? Because people are just familiar with the world and able to find things relatively quickly. Uh, R2-D2 arm. Any theories on what abilities stagger enemies, perhaps based on enemy weaknesses? It could be based on enemy weaknesses, but it could also be it could also be the impact abilities. Maybe will help with stagger because they're not they're not deading and they're not priming. If they're not deading and they're not priming, then they're going to uh, they're going to potentially stagger. I don't know. There wasn't much that seemed to stagger other than the big attacks like your ult. And a lot of times the stagger seemed to happen at certain intervals of health or if you like pop the things on the spider's back. Uh, Hawks are flying. 
Do you think there will be enough endgame to keep us coming back? I've answered this question a lot. As far as I can see, yes, there's plenty of endgame, and then they have plans to extend the endgame with with events and things going on. I mean, March is is full of stuff that's going to be spaced out as far as we can tell. So as long as they continue to do that, yes, I do. Uh, Big Silver. How do you tell the difference or how to figure out what detonators and primers are? There are symbols on the abilities. There's a circle for a primer, and there's a little spark explosion for a detonator. Uh, That was not in the demo properly. It was different. Uh, evil clown uh, what are the interceptors best combo elements for it I went over this in the talk so I'm not going to repeat myself uh, Dalaridia uh, or Del- Dalaridia says do you know if target beacon stacks say if there are two interceptors present I do not know the answer to that that would be a question for the devs Jeff T any plans for cross saves between platforms they said initially cross play and cross save is not available but they are open to it Two people in chat are saying that that ability does not stack. The the support ability of the beacon, it does not stack. Muster point, however, does stack, and that's the ranger support ability. One of the ranger support abilities. Stormbearer. So to summarize the part about mouse and keyboard, do you recommend playing the game on controller and move away from mouse and keyboard? If you are comfortable with a controller, I think the game just is built for controller. I don't think this style of game, you're going to see this humongous benefit when using uh, like keyboard and mouse. I don't. Now, if that's what you're comfortable with, and that's what you think is the best for aiming, then your your comfort level and your experience will be affected by that. Right? But if you are comfortable using a controller for games like this, like if you play, because I love using a controller for games like this. Um, then use controller. There are people that had no issue with mouse and keyboard. There were others that were that noticed the lack of optimization. And they really had to go in and tweak it. So I would do whatever you think is best. The controller, just everything felt super natural and intuitive on a controller. Jump and hover by pushing right stick. Jump and fly by pressing left stick. The melees, the slams. The only thing they need to look at with controller is you have an LB ability and you have an RB ability and then you have an ability that is both buttons LB and RB and a lot of the times I would be holding down the LB button or the RB button and using it to do an attack and then I would immediately want to con- like change to the other button so like let's say I'm holding down RB or or hitting it or whatever and then before I can like actually have enough seconds of letting go of it I hit the LB button as well it was registering me as pressing both of them I'll give an example the storm with frost shards I'm holding down the button for frost shards and then I go to hit the other button to do the detonator and because I I'm holding down both LB and RB at the same time, quote unquote, same time. It doesn't do the detonator, it does my support ability. So I think your support ability should be one that you have to hold together for like a second before it does it. Because what ends up happening is you're like, yeah, 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 get him with the frost shards, boom, let me detonate. And you don't boom detonate, you boom, pull out your support ability. So that was the only thing I found to be troublesome by using a controller. Other than that, I found it to be very intuitive. Uh, Mentat Canis. And with the one stronghold, we were able to see that it took 30 minutes to an hour to beat. I didn't clock it, so I don't know 100%. What do you think would be a good length for them? It felt a little quick to me. I would almost like to see them be a solid two hours for an endgame. I think you're asking something that this game isn't setting out to do. Now, the Cataclysm content and the raid level content that they said is on the way. We don't know what raid level means. Maybe just raid level difficulty. Um... Those things could take longer, but Grandmaster 1, 2, and 3, I think will all gradually go up in difficulty and length of time. So if Grandmaster 1, once you really get it down pat with a good team, let's just say it takes you, I don't know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I would think Grandmaster 2 would take you a little bit longer, and then Grandmaster 3 would take you a little bit longer. So if by the time you really get up to it, Grandmaster 3 is taking anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes... I think that's fine. Do you really, like, think about the nature of the stronghold and what you're doing. It's not super elaborate. So if that type of content suddenly is taking an hour to an hour and a half or longer, that I think strains the design of the game. 
how long should it really take you to clear a room full of ads? How long should it really take you to kill a boss? The reason like raids take a really long time at launch is because of what? No one knows how to beat it. There's puzzle solving and there's usually like some type of delta scaling. And then typically with time, you burn through raids on either difficulty as if they're not really challenging you at all. Anthem will be quite similar. Your first couple times in Grandmaster 2 and 3 may be slower, but with time, they'll probably become faster. Wildcard Radio. I think if they are going to include the impact raw damage abilities, they need to a significant bump to buff to compensate for them not being able to prime debt so they can get equal consideration when creating builds. What are your thoughts? That is apparently supposedly how they're supposed to work. That's how they're supposed to work. And I'm getting like the, the eternally stuck glitch here. It wouldn't let me out of the webbing. Um, apparently that's how they're supposed to work. But I felt like the non-debt, non-prime, you know, the raw damage abilities, the impact abilities, I felt like they did not do a ton more damage at all. Right? I, I, I don't I don't think they were working proper. Now, some people, other people were saying, oh, no, it was working great. I was doing this really fast or shields really fast or whatever really fast. I was not having that experience. So, Stormbearer. What about Interceptor viability against floating targets? It feels like being out of reach of melee hampers his viability by a good margin. Well, he can hover, and he can shoot, and he can debuff, and he can he can hit him with a glaive, like he can throw something at them. So he doesn't he doesn't have to melee everybody, and I believe he can melee them in the air. Like you just approach them while floating and melee, and it should track on them. And so he should be able to detonate somebody out of the air if you do it properly. I melee people out of the air with the ranger. Um, it's a little bit harder because his melee once you jump tends to head towards the ground. They already confirmed air melee will be coming at launch, if not a little after. I still felt like I was able to land air melees. It does track toward the ground, but if you ti- if you lined it up right, I would run into them and hit them. But it definitely needed some work. Uh, Shaka Shack, what do you think of the Alliance X- EXP and reward system we saw in the demo? Supposedly determined by collecting your experiences plus four of the highest EXP people you play with at the end of the week. Re- rewards coin. So you're saying... You collect your experience plus four of the highest EXP people you play with at the end of the week and it rewards coin. I would want more details before commenting on this. I don't know how exactly how it works and what it's rewarding people with. Sasquatch, where do you see the earn rate of currency to buy vanity items? With future content being free, it couldn't possibly land like Destiny's where as long as you play enough, you can get everything or most. I mean, they say everything's earnable, okay? We need to be clear about something just because everything's earnable doesn't mean you're going to be able to earn everything what Lono are they going to squeeze us for money let me explain let's say that there are five legendary armor sets for the Colossus five those are full sets we're talking all of the individual armor pieces textures vinyls the whole shebang it's a full set and it's purple right it's it's epic okay if I go into the customization and I see that there's, I don't know, five of those and they're in line with the earn rate of my character, well then by the time I'm all the way decked out with purple gear, I should probably be able to get like, what, one of those? You know, you can buy one full set, make your choice, which one do you like? Now, think about it. Think about it. As you play then, that means the earn rate of that entire epic purple set is is set it took you a really really long time to earn it you were working on things you were you know you're grinding your character up and then when you're done kind of getting to the the epic status you, you can afford an epic set that means every time you want an epic set it takes that level of 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 time this is where people i think might make false criticisms because if everything is earnable that doesn't mean you're going to earn everything just because you play the game you're going to have to make decisions 35 months from snoogans thank you so much snoogie Do you see the difference? Like, the difference in saying everything is earnable, meaning nothing is held behind a paywall. That doesn't mean that quantitatively you're going to have to make decisions about what you want to get. You have enough coin for an entire epic purple set. That means you have to pick a set and then earn that total again. Does that make sense? I think some people are going to look at this and say, oh my gosh, I, I can only get one set. I can't just sit there just trying to squeeze me dry for money. 
And as you say, what's the earn rate? As I've said before, the earn rate needs to be in harmony with the earn rate of the in-game items. If I have earned and played enough to have a full set of purple epic gear, you know, I've, I've played enough. I've worked my way up on my Colossus and he's got a full set of purple. Well, at that point, I should probably be able to afford a, a, a bunch of purple cosmetics. That doesn't mean I can afford every single epic purple cosmetic, you know? That doesn't mean every single one. I might have to make decisions. This is where you see the bad forward momentum. I, I literally couldn't get him to move forward. It was really weird. Um, he couldn't dash or anything. So that's where I see it landing. And I also see if they have a ton of quantity in their customization, people may start to incorrectly criticize and say that the whole thing feels stupid and that, you know, it's not fair. I, you know, this stuff's, this is going to take forever to earn. Well, everything's earnable. Choose what you want. Tom Cruise with three months. Thank you so much. Uh, Nino Allah says, how do you feel about having no vote to kick? I'm really worried if I queue up with randoms, uh, there's no gate on higher level content, like after level 30 in a month, anyone can just try Grandmaster 3 and makes the whole squad struggle unless they have some gear check. Man, I would think they'd have some type of gear check. I also think people would be not wanting to do that very long. Thank you for the 100 bits, Amish Milkman. Uh, basically, the point you're making is that someone gives you a dollar, everything in the store is 99 cents, you have to get the one thing but you can choose from everything, that's, a, yeah precisely, and uh, Hala, Hala Mania, thank you so much for the Prime sub, and Tom Cruise, thank you so much again for your three months, so yes, I the, the no vote to kick I, I don't know if you're gonna get all the way to Grandmaster 3 and struggle with a bunch of dum-dums who go in there that shouldn't now, should they have like a power level, you know, check? No, you can't go in there. Maybe, maybe, just so people can't go in there and ruin the experience. Like, they're too weak for Grandmaster 1, right? And if they're messing with you at Grandmaster 3 and just throwing themselves in matchmaking, the game maybe should say, no, you know, you can't even come in here. You know, that's that's going to be one of the things I think it, they might have to consider doing. Again, I don't know how many people are going to do that. You're not going to get any loot. They're going to die the whole time. Right? Who's going to throw themselves in a Grandmaster 2 and barely be ready or barely contribute? They're not going to get a good turnover on their loot. They're not. They're going to they're going to be dying. They're they're going to be they're going to be not able to contribute to the the, the fight. Their turnover on loot's going to be terrible. Their turnover on loot's going to be awful because they're not going to be doing anything. They're going to be uh, just like what sitting in a corner and not contributing to the fights. People who won't uh, who want to be carried, but even if they want to be carried, I I don't think that's going to be a normative common experience because if a couple of people do that and discover I'm barely getting any loot, it's taking these guys forever to beat this because I'm not helping, and I'm just sitting in the back. So like I I th- I don't think a ton of people are gonna do that. They won't get good turnover on their loot, and if they try to help, all they're gonna do is die and get frustrated. I I don't think there'll be that many people to do it. And if there are, we'll have to cross that bridge when we get there. If it becomes a problem and people feel like, man, every time I go in, all I ever do is run into people that just want to get carried through Grandmaster one or two. They don't want to contribute. They just sit in the back. I don't know if they report people for that. They could maybe run a report and see, dude, look, in the last in the last day, 10 people have reported you for being like AFK or undergeared for Grandmaster 2. We're going to have to put you on probation. You can't go into Grandmaster 2 for a while. You're literally just going in there and standing there. We can see that you're not doing any damage. You have a zero damage rating for all of these these Grandmaster 2s you're throwing yourself into and like sequester them back. Um, honestly, Grandmaster 3 activities... Uh, will not be matchmake friendly except for free play. If you want to play Grandmaster 3 activities, you should be on a team or expect it to be a terrible experience. I think to a certain extent, Milo is correct. I don't think Grandmaster 3 is meant to be a casual, just come as you are, come and play as you are. You know, you're going to need people to know what the heck they're doing. Uh, Creamy Mate, not sure if this was mentioned, but there has been any talk about PvE competition such as they have two teams, each must compete challenges, uh, complete challenges at the other specific time frame. They could definitely do something like this. They haven't mentioned anything about this, though. And I don't think, if people are looking for PvP, I don't think this would scratch the itch of the PvP fans. People are like, give me PvP. I don't think this would satisfy them. 
Nino Allah. What do you think about the fact that we have no character sheet? This was confirmed on the Reddit, and I think it's really bad we don't have that in an RPG about min-maxing and builds to chase loot. I'm really hype, but there is so many basic things we're lacking at the base level game. Let me ask you a question. What does knowing how much health you have or how much armor you have matter until you're in the game and fighting? Right? So when you put on mod components, you see this adds X number of armor, this adds X number of health. You can see that number, right? And when you go to the stat sheet, that's all it would really tell you is your armor and your and your health rating are 800 and 600. And you'd be like, okay, sweet. Does seeing that inform you of anything in particular? Not really. Not really. You got to go out and fight. You know, you have to go out and fight. Those numbers don't matter to a certain extent because they don't inform anything until you go in and you play. Once you go in and you play, you're like, okay, yes, this is more appropriate for this environment because, you know, I, I, I'm I'm actually quite a bit stronger because these mod components I have add tons of, you know, health and armor. Um, comparing main stats but not the roles... Again, I, I'd have to get into the game and really see what you're talking about. I, I'm not really sure, so I don't even know my total rolls without Excel. I Again, I don't know what you're talking about. Whenever I had a gun, I could compare it to another gun with its stats side by side, and it showed the flavor text, so I knew what I was getting. Um, it would be nice to see total thrustal percentage, total HP, ETC, not knowing full stats will be an issue. I, I don't necessarily think you need to see health and armor because, again, that number doesn't matter. Because when you change your mod components, you can see. Now, I guess that's true, though, because if you're like, well, I was previously at 700 and now I'm at 820, all the changes I just made to my loadout were worth it. I netted, I netted health and armor. I guess a full stat page would be helpful, especially for your thruster, you know, your thruster length of time. Um... There are roles for fire, damage, and ice percentages, ammo's percentages, etc. I feel like the, the, the armor and the and the guns said plenty for comparison, but I, I'd have to see exactly in practice what you mean. I definitely think they could use a stat page, though, that shows us everything we have, so we could say, okay, here's my loadout before I go in. All right, my armor and my health are, you know, down in the 400s. Okay, I made some changes. I moved some things around, changed some of my abilities, and now my armor and my health are in the 500s. I've netted a benefit. This build is better. You know. Sasquatch. What do you think about them planning uh, to pull the nerf trigger on the Devastator Sniper at launch already? Uh, It's good to see they are willing and can make changes quickly, but Devil's Advocate, they are nerfing quickly. Well... I don't think that that gun was working right. It was getting damage that just didn't make any sense for a sniper. Like, it was unbelievable. It was, it might not have even been the gun itself. It might have been the crit multiplier. I couldn't believe the damage that I was getting. Like, 12,000 with that, and a direct hit from my um, Colossus ult was like 10,000 on the boss's crit. So I got less damage on the boss's crit with a direct impact of my ultimate when compared to a sniper. It was 25k with muster. Yeah, I mean, that's just ludicrous. And, oh, they're quick to nerf? Well, either that or they're quick to acknowledge, you know, they're quick to acknowledge a problem. This isn't how it's supposed to work. Um, Legendary gear has six inscriptions per gear. We have two guns, six components, two abilities, and one support ability. That's 11 times six. 66 different extra stats on your gear you will have. A total stats page would make seeing the totals of stats uh, it'll be a must. Yeah, they might have to add it later then, because you're right. Now that you're saying that, that is true. What is that on the ground that I picked up there? What was that yellow thing I grabbed? There was a tr- there's a triangle on the ground for ammo, which is green, red, which is health. What was that yellow one? Uh, RD, RT, R, R2D2, it's the key that opens the last four echoes. Oh, okay, it's a key. I never picked it up, I don't think, in my early uh, playthroughs. Have you seen legendary versions of abilities? I know legendary weapons have been shown. I don't think I've seen legendary versions of abilities. No, I've seen... I had two mod components that dropped when I played at the capture event that were legendary, and then we've seen the uh, the weapons. Um, Do you think they will ever add the ability to inspect other users? Probably, especially something on the initial screen um, that I think would help you maybe, before you matchmake with the team, maybe make some changes on your loadouts. 
Valor Bunker, what are your thoughts about disabling Grandmaster 2 and 3 at launch until the first couple of weeks to prevent the content from being cleared by bugs, glitches, and balancing issues? It is a very, very smart decision, and I applaud their decision. I do. I applaud it. Because one of two things could have happened. Well, there's three things that could happen. It's perfect and ready to go. That's unlikely. (laughs) No problem! Grandmaster 2 and 3 are exactly scaled to where they should be. That's unlikely. That's unlikely. Okay? So the other two possible outcomes are more likely. One outcome that's likely is it's too easy and people are flying through it for a couple of weeks and then it gets, then the difficulty gets raised. Well, that cheapens it and people got loot too easy and then people are frustrated because like, oh, it was easy and now you made it too hard. Okay? The other outcome is it's way too hard and then they have to dial it back. Well, then the people that really, really beat their head against the wall and put their head in a vice and finally got it beaten, well, then they're going to be mad. Oh, you nerfed it and made it easier and we earned this stuff and me, me, me. Either of those outcomes is a, is a negative. And the least likely out of the three outcomes is it's just perfectly balanced as soon as it comes out. So Grandmaster 2 and 3 not launching right away is such a smart decision. Such a smart call. Sasquatch. I'm an Interceptor main, but the only thing that would make me change preference is the fact that you are spamming the melee button a lot on Interceptor. It's good, but bland. How do you think they work around this? Quicker ability cooldowns or a melee buff nerf? I tell you what, he needs combos. I mean, he needs combos. If you, like, and I'm not talking, this is where it could get confusing, because I'm not talking about a detonator combo. I'm talking about, like, a, what if there was a tap, 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 hold, or tap, hold, tap, tap, you know, like, kind of like Morse code, where you could, you could get different flourishes, right? What if a tap, tap, hold was like a slice, slice, jump slice, right? What if a tap, hold, tap is a, is like a, I don't know, like a slice, uppercut, slice, something like that, where you're getting to kind of add your own spice to the melee, and it doesn't feel so like swing, 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 like, hey, I got these scissors and I broke them in half, and I'm just going to swing them at you all day. Um, something like that, something like that it might, might help. I, I'm not going to die on that hill, but I think it would make the melee a little more, a little more interesting than just spamming it over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and it might make the interceptor a little bit more exciting because maybe if you do it properly, you could get damage bonuses without doing combos, but just some damage bonuses on some enemies that are around you. And then that feeds your ult, you know, uh, Valisoth, do you feel the interceptor lacked feedback as you attack? It felt super strange. Like you were hitting just air. Yes. There's some, there is some sound feedback that does seem missing sometimes when you play as a Colossus. You just are boom, 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 boom. And then you got in the intercepting like sing, 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 sing. You're just like, it does, it does, it does. There needs to be like a, there needs to be some sort of audio feedback. You know, when you're playing Street Fighter and something, it's like, something like that. Something like that would be pretty dope. I don't know. Um... The audio guy on Reddit said he mains Interceptor and helped make it beefier at launch. Well, that's exciting to hear. Uh, J. Christ, on the difficulty spectrum, does that mean you can run through the entire campaign on each difficulty setting? This is an excellent question, and I don't know. Somebody in chat may have to answer this if a des- if a dev has answered this or not. Can you replay all of the story missions and raise the difficulty? I really hope that you can. Now that you say that, that would be fun. Um, but I don't know if the quests become, if the quests go bye-bye, I don't know how that works. If, they, if they're always available and then you can run them on the higher difficulty, that would be a good value point. If not, I'd understand why they wouldn't be there, uh, because a lot of the times they lead to specific items. Um, Milky is saying in chat, they have said all story, free play, and strongholds are available at all difficulties. Milo says, you can replay missions daily on whatever difficulty you choose. And then someone else is saying, yes, but not replayable. So it seems like there will be some method of replaying story at any difficulty. We'll have to wait and see maybe for more specificity. If somebody has a direct quote from the dev, that'd be helpful. Um, unless you guys are directly quoting streams or things that you're, you're confident in Valor Bunker, what is your thought about blueprints locked behind faction progress uh, 
that doesn't bother me. Those are reward paths, and that if something is valuable to you, you pursue that reward path. I like that. That adds diversity and variety. Uh, do you think it is an issue that even free play is not playable in private mode? I don't know what you're talking about. I, I thought you could play free play in private. Um, I thought you could play everything in private. Didn't they have private disabled in the demo? I thought you could play everything on private if you wanted. So that if somebody got disconnected from your stronghold or something, they could rejoin. Same thing with free play. You can't play free play in private at launch. That was confirmed this week. Free play on strongholds. Uh, free play and strongholds are not private. Really? I wonder why they're limiting that. Only story will be private. That is interesting. Okay, well, my feedback to you would be this. I think the desire for private play is understandable. Understandable, but wouldn't be in high demand initially. Initially, people are just needing to be grouped up to play together. If you're going into free play, if you're going into strongholds, having people with you is part and parcel to the Anthem experience. And the danger would be people playing everything by themselves from beginning, middle, and end and missing out on that saucy combo team comp piece. The activities are sort of built for that to be happening and if you allow people to completely bypass that I would worry that they wouldn't experience Anthem as it's been designed um now my only comeback to that is I do understand out of the gate week one wanting to say well no we want to run this stronghold or free play private so that if my friend DCs he can jump back in and doesn't have his spot filled but that, so there might be a difference like they could I don't know if they could add this but maybe if you are playing with your buddies you could you could mark it and say no fill like as long as you've got you know four homies if you go in with four homies you should be able to mark it as no fill do not fill if anybody leaves or DCs so but I don't know I just certain things aren't going to be high priority top burner I think high priority top burner is get people in the game get people shooting bugs and aliens together so they're comboing and they're killing and feeling like gods instead of running through solo and getting irritated because they don't understand the game or they're struggling to combo effectively and they keep dying so they're rolling the dice if you roll the dice and you let people go private, you run the risk of losing all those players that are going to play solo. Imagine, if you will, the solo players that like to play solo, you can still do that. You can throw yourself in activities, play matchmate, go do your thing, and the t- those people are there to kind of pad the numbers and make sure everything goes smooth. And because of that, you don't have to worry about going into content and just being, you know, being like, oh, I'm not getting anything. You know, nothing's happening. I'm not getting I'm not getting through the content. I'm not beating anything. You know what I mean? Clotho Booer says, Would you like to see them add more sci-fi futuristic weapons like energy weapons, railguns, ETC? There's certainly a future for that, but I do think there's something really nice and sort of there's a nice juxtaposition between bringing down lightning from the sky and getting out a weapon that's like da 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 da. There's like a cool there's a really cool juxtaposition there, and I don't know if we want to completely leave that alone and leave that in the dust. The flamethrower and the and the and the and the lightning coils on the on the Colossus get close to that. So I don't want to go too far to where you're using, you know, all future weapons. I'm not against it. I think the juxtaposition is actually a good thing, but in the future they could add nice things. You gotta be careful though, because like the Colossus has a railgun, you know. So uh the West you know. How do the difficulty levels work uh, with all the dynamic scaling stuff they talked about? Weren't low-level friends supposed to be able to join you in any activity? There's some type of scaling that happens, and I still don't have quite a firm grasp on how to explain this. Other than that, things should be scaling to you. So as long as you go into an encounter that you're not grossly underleveled for, your buddies should be able to come and play with you, and if they're overleveled, they still will feel some level of a challenge. But I don't know. People have put this in chat, and I have just really struggled to grapple with how the balancing and the scaling works. It scales on level and number of players. So, like, I don't know what that means. Other way around, higher level friends can join, and it scales for them. You cannot join a higher level, or you will be underleveled. See, that ruins division early game for me, and I don't like hearing that. That's actually disappointing. That The, the early game of Division 1, for me, was ruined because anybody that got ahead of me played with me and made my content miserable. 
It's like, I'm level 5. Oh, and you're level 10 because you've been playing more. Sorry, man. If you come and play with me, everything scales to you, and I'm miserable and can't get anything done. Um, so I'm disappointed in that decision. I don't think that's a good cooperatively driven decision because people play more than others and then there's a disconnect and a fragmented nature to your friends list. You basically have to always have people at your level. I can't be level 4 and join my friend in Grandmaster 2 because I'll be weak. He can join my medium hard mission and it will scale for him. Okay, okay, hang on Milo. You're saying it scales for them. Does it scale for me? If I'm level 4 and you're level 20 and you come into my content, does it scale does does it scale for you or does it also scale for me? Cuz if it also scales for me, like I said, that makes my content miserable just cuz you're stronger and I don't like that. That was a problem in Division 1 scaling. It discouraged you from playing with your buddies as soon as there was any level disparity. Division 2 will boost your level if you join higher level players. If that's true about Division 2, I am thrilled. That was so frustrating in early Div 1. You will be set at where you are. Well, then that's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's exactly how it should be. That's how I initially explained it, is that it scales to that guy, so it's still reasonably hard for them, but you are still playing the content at your level. So that's excellent. That's exactly how it should be, and I'm really glad to hear that. I, like As I was reading it and misunderstanding it, I was like, that's really disappointing. I don't want it to be that way. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But you can't go into other content that's higher than you and have it scaled down. It's that the stuff they're stronger than scales up to them, but it doesn't hurt your experience. That's just good because they're not going through and one-shotting everything. That's excellent. Both games scale all players to match the highest level player. So it raises it raises the content to their level, but then it also raises me too. The level 30 will feel like it's just as hard at the level 4 when he joins, but the level 4 will get one shot by everything if he joins the level 30 stronghold. So you gotta do it the other way around. Okay. Not, he's, Milo says that's not true. Well, we'll figure it out. It sounds like if you're weak and they're strong and they join your weak content, right? They experience it as if it's at their level. So the level 30 experiences your low-level content as if it's level 30. If you're low-level, and as long as you're in the appropriate level content, it feels normal for you too. Right? It doesn't raise it to them and then raise you to them too. It's just their experience is leveled to where they are, and you can't freaking tell. Well, you can tell because they're not coming into your content and one-shotting everything because they're so dadgum strong. That's exactly perfectly how it should work. I'm thrilled that both games that sound like are doing that. That is a win for everybody. That was a gross oversight in Division 1. Network Skeleton. Is there a limit to the amount of questions during Q&A? Also, what are your thoughts on free play and the limited amount of players in the instance? Personally, I found myself grouping up with and being grouped up with randoms and anthems free play more than I ever did in Destiny for some reason. Well, it's because there's less people and you need each other. (laughs) You don't need each other in the public spaces in Destiny. You really need each other for some of the things in the public spaces of Anthem because they're big, big bosses and if you're by yourself, you're not going to do any damage. They have to limit the number of people though because like 12 people in an area would be able to just do too much damage. It would hurt frame rate. It would hurt performance they really really push the envelope with the lightning effects the explosion effects etc and the the non-stop combos and ults would be ludicrous if there was like 10 to 12 javelins in an area because you'd all be feeding each other's combos just constantly and it would be absurd and it would fry your console (laughs) it wouldn't be able to keep up just go play you know a, a public event on titan the the one um ritual bayaku have you seen the Reddit post brief showing of Interceptor's mobility? This looks absolutely nuts. The Interceptor is the only class where I think PC players will have an advantage. Well, PC's not playing against console, and even if they were, there's no PvP, so advantage is, is used here in a in an in in inappropriate way, I think. I play with mouse and with controller. Interceptor felt way better on mouse, to be honest. The Interceptor's potential is very high, but the skill cap... Uh, 
will make it feel for a lot of players a bit overwhelming. I have a fear that the Interceptor, you'll have a tough time getting into groups for hire. Okay, so this is literally just you writing a paragraph pontificating about the Interceptor. I, that's not a question. Thank you. It was so long that it got cut off. <laughs> Gee, many Christmas. Sasquatch. Would you like to see a feature where you can see what members of your team are running? We've addressed this. I want to see this on the initial launch pad. You should go out on the launch pad, and there should be like a barrier that as long as you don't leave that well, that people would leave the barrier, and that'd be freaking frustrating. So you should start on a launch pad, right? And everybody has to ready up. And if they don't ready up, there's an automatic ready up after, like, I don't know, 30 seconds. But you have to ready up, and you can discuss and say, I'm running all prime, and you're running all prime. One of us should switch to debt. And the guy can be like, well, I have a good debt build. Let me toggle my loadout, right? So you could go into the forge and have your multiple loadouts. You can have five loadouts per interceptor, per, per, per javelin. And then you could toggle your loadout. That way, when you're matchmaking, they could really streamline, you know, complementary builds. Because if you have two storms and they're both all prime, one could say, yeah, I'll run prime debt. So we're not so heavy on the prime. And then you could adjust accordingly. I don't want to be able to change loadouts or look at gear during the missions. I think it's a smart decision to not let us do that. Because it leads to stopping and loot gazing and taking forever and min-maxing instead of just moving the action along. Ah, uh, Roxidios says, this is a Destiny question. I'm sorry I missed the talk on Destiny. I'm going to skip your question. I'm not reading it. This is not about Destiny. Do you think it would be a good strategy to level to 30 while avoiding the main story missions and then play them at 30 where the loot is going to be a higher rarity? This is advice I can't give because I have zero clue how this is going to work. If you're going to be able to adequately level, this may slow your leveling down significantly. Replaying the story missions you know, later seems like it's going to be a possibility, and if this, it, I, I feel like this would just naturally slow down your leveling significantly. Usually, story missions give huge chunks of XP in games like this, and you would be missing out on that. So, I'm going to give you an initial and tentative, uninformed, but I think a pretty adequately get adequately made guess that no, you probably don't want to do this. You get loot from everywhere, not just missions, so it doesn't matter. I just, but you're leveling to 30 is his question. I think the XP gains from story missions are usually disproportionately higher than, say, like public events. And the reason that they do that is it's because you're just naturally playing through the story and hitting certain levels at certain points. There's a rhythm to the leveling typically interwoven into the story. Hawks are flying. Can you explain the Alliance Guild system? I have zero clue how it works. They're going to have to outline a blog and a video about how it works, but I'm excited that they're having something like that to add to the cooperative play together, games better together feel. If it promotes more people getting together and playing, that's really good because that's where this game, I think, shines the most. So... Uh, that's going to conclude Q&A great questions today guys 42 questions excellent all around just a couple that were repeats that's actually really good I don't mind repeats because sometimes you're not here but I always try to give you a reason why I'm skipping your questions so you don't think I'm being rude Uh, if you're here live right now don't go anywhere I got more things to show you if you're listening to this on iTunes Google Play Spotify or watching on YouTube you can always tune in live twitch.tv slash say no to rage or just look up say no to rage on Twitch and Twitter throw me a follow there so you don't miss my streams as always I appreciate you listening and watching in the other locations Please like, share, and subscribe.